0: two, one, going. All right, so please say your name, age, and pronouns.
1: Um, My name is Tatiana, I'm 17 years old, and my pronouns are she, they. Okay,
0: so what's going on today?
1: So today we held a peaceful protest gathering and march where essentially we were going to just be downtown and get the blood pumping about the movement that's going on in our country.
2: From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Zoom Room, a youth-produced podcast where we zoom into a different theme or topic through interviews and conversations relevant to us, the youth of Alaska. I'm AMI producer Yuli Zhang. On Friday, April 23rd, a peaceful protest was held in downtown Anchorage. A large crowd of attendees held up signs that said Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. ATME senior producer Cornelius Nelson was in attendance and had a brief moment to talk to the event organizer, Tatiana Watkins-Snow, a senior at West High School. A few weeks later, Cornelius connected with Tatiana over Zoom to talk more about putting the rally together and what inspired it. Their conversation included youth activism, growing up in minority families in America, and broadened into discussing other social issues important to them. They spoke on May 20th, 2021.
0: So you hosted rally off of uh, Ninth Avenue, right? Could you please explain what the rally was for and what that day was like for you?
1: Yeah, so that rally um, was a little bit spur of the moment. I actually posted about it on my Instagram, and a lot more people sort of saw it than I expected. I saw that it was on Twitter, it was being spread around on Facebook, and uh, the power of the internet, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Lots of people showed up. And it was for the sort of a celebration of and continuation of activism for the sort of verdict of the uh, Derek Chauvin case uh, in the murder of George Floyd. Uh, I wanted to get something together for that. And also at the same time and continuing, these are both conversations that are continually happening, uh, was not only the Black Lives Matter sort of, entire movement going on as well as there was the um, stopping AAPI or API hate movement which was due to the rise of uh, Asian hate crimes that were due to COVID and yeah that was something that I wanted to also address um, because I feel like it's important to have that intersectionality between our issues.
0: So, what was the planning process like? You said it was pretty spur of the moment. So, I imagine it was kind of like you talked to a friend about it. They went, Wow, that'd be awesome. You should do that. And then you posted a thing. And then it just kind of. (laughs)
1: Yeah. It was sort of like that uh, in the sense of like, I, my friend Sigrid, and I, we had this thing over the summer of 2020 where we would go to ninth avenue and we'd sit on one of the little electrical boxes and do our little mini protests of just us and we were just holding one sign like that and i was like man it'd be great if we did this sort of bigger and i posted it on my instagram and then it just you know spread like wildfire um and so that's sort of where it started it started with just us two on the electrical box on l street and ninth avenue
0: were there any challenges in setting up your rally downtown?
1: Yeah, um, there are, there were like the obvious ones of, I posted it on a Wednesday, on a Tuesday, I think, and then I was, it's gonna happen that Friday, so that was like the time, you know, like, limit there was sort of a challenge, Um, as well as Anchorage and Alaska in general is not necessarily the state that we like to think it is that's isolated from sort of what we hear down in you know the lower 48s so I did have a fear that I didn't want to let people know but I guess here I can say that I had a fear that there would be sort of um, like retaliation or angry groups because i know that that happened out in palmer where there was like militarized citizens out there when they were having their protests in summer of 2020 as well so i was worried that there would be maybe something or some aspect of that
0: that's a totally fair concern um doing the reporting i did there were uh, a couple of ones i went to the people walking around armed but yeah no that's a totally fair concern um yeah. so there's pretty big turnout. Were you, uh, were you expecting that much community presence out there?
1: No, not at all. <laughs> I posted it, and I was like, nine people are going to see this. Five people are going to show up. And then we we're all going to go to a restaurant after, and maybe have some food at Denny's or something. Mm-hmm. And then there was like way more people. <laughs> nice.
0: When we spoke at the rally, you mentioned the protests last year and the presence downtown. Were you involved in any protests last year?
1: Yes. So I actually, my friend Marcus actually organized one of the huge ones um, down there last summer. So, you know, I was up there with him. We were, everybody was kind of there. We were there. We went to the one in the park strip. And then there was one that was in the parking lot of that new REI in Midtown. It was like in the parking lot when they were still doing construction. I think Um, there was another big one there. So I went to both of those. And then I also was not just at like Black Lives Matter protests. I had also went to in one of our pro-choice protests here too as well, because that was another issue that was becoming very like prevalent as there was a lot of legislation being written about it at the time.
0: So what does Black Lives Matter mean to you?
1: Black Lives Matter, for me, I think I want to make it clear that this is not whatsoever something about the organization the phrase itself is really what we're trying to get across and we've explained it in so many different ways black all lives can't matter until black lives matter that's essentially all that it's saying the whole debate between blank lives matter versus this and that and that terminology i think it's one of the like most important parts of the whole. Movement is that terminology, that phrase, because it's so ever—it's like ubiquitous, essentially.
0: What changes do you see in Anchorage, and what steps do you think people need to take to make those changes?
1: I think our main focus here in Anchorage would definitely be our response to mental health um, and drug abuse. I think that's something that we don't really have a good system of support for whatsoever. Uh, mental health, drug abuse, homeless youth, and um, like our rural, our rural access to resources as well because there's a lot of sort of remote places in Alaska don't have the access or not enough money or not enough connection, you know? Um, so I think those are some of the changes, and I think to make those changes, it really is a matter of talking to our representatives um, as much as we can, and getting out and sort of being vocal about what we want to see changed. Because you can't—it's not you can't read minds. You have to speak for what you want to happen, and you know more people will follow as they get comfortable speaking for what they want as well.
0: Besides attending rallies like the one you hosted what are other ways that youth can get engaged in a community to, to make a change?
1: Ooh, I think definitely through volunteer work and just getting in your community and knowing like the things that you, um, like the places you attend and knowing sort of what the systems are there and how they work. Uh, like for example, volunteering at like the library Lots of kids, lots of teens like the aesthetic of the library nowadays. It's sort of like, oh, I'm at the library. I'm so fancy. I'm gonna take an Instagram
0: picture. It's such a good trend. But
1: it is. It's so cool. It I'm glad the library is open. I was looking forward to that actually the whole summer. But that was like one of the things that I think is important to like being a youth, being involved in those like sort of municipality or like citywide resources, and knowing how you can help and how they work so that you can be involved in them and help other people is like the best way, at least until you can vote. As soon as you are able to vote, vote. Voting is so, so important, especially here with our with our demographics and the challenges we face. I think another thing I guess I could say for youth, uh, getting involved is starting at your school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, starting clubs. Um, And, or just, you know, gathering a group of friends and doing things, just being in communities. Communities are so, so important to creating that understanding, that solidarity, that unity, everything that you need to make the right moves as a unit and as a whole in one direction. Whereas if it's, you know, just a bunch of willy-nilly connections with random people it's kind of hard to come together when there's one thing on the line
0: it's really nice seeing how much community action has been happening maybe it's always been happening my brain just never properly recognized it <laughs> but like i don't know it's really cool as i'm getting older seeing more and i really shouldn't take the pandemic to make so much has happen but seeing yeah. so much more of our community being active and taking a stance to like move forward and bettering people's lives and our own lives it's really nice seeing that much community connection over
1: yeah it's a great way to connect with people just in general i say it so many times but just connecting with people is such an important thing to me
0: you brought up the murder trial for george floyd uh where were you during the sentencing where was i you I,
1: I was i think i was at school i think i just got into school and it was it was like bittersweet in the sense of, yes, this is a good verdict, but also it shouldn't have taken all of this. It shouldn't have been this much of an issue. We shouldn't have been questioning whether or not somebody who was recorded for nine minutes kneeling on a man's yeah, we should it, not have questioned if he was going to be punished for that or not.
0: Thank you for sharing. I was at this place called West Berlin and I was like waiting for my lunch and I knew the trial was going on today but like like so many of these have happened unfortunately uh I've kind of had this thing where I I try to not look at it because like I know I'm gonna be pissed off and disappointed like you're telling me someone got away with murder again yeah I'm not I I don't want to hear about this again I can't I can't take it but like it was playing on the tv in there and like I walked in it was there after I ordered my food I saw I was like looking I was like you tell me we held someone of power that murdered someone accountable? Right. You told me we held someone like accountable crazy. for murder?
1: I, okay. I feel like <laughs> it felt sort of like I was being like infantilized almost in the sense of like, yes, people who do bad things receive punishments for bad things. And my mind was blown because it was just never, ever, ever a sense of like accountability that was ever held in these situations.
0: I remember when I was younger and Trayvon Martin was murdered. And like uh, during that trial, like after my mom heard of her, she took down all of the American flag stuff in our house, all of it. Yeah. So growing up a mixed man you know, of color, my dad I'm sure you had this conversation as a child as well. Uh the hey, be ready for people to be cruel to you for no reason purely yeah. because you're a minority. Alternatively. Get used to just things having to work twice as hard for half as much.
1: Yeah, that was that was something I realized at a really young age, actually, um, in elementary school. Because I went to I started elementary school in Bayshore Elementary because I was living with my. If you know that side of town, you know the south side. Uh, And I realized that you know I didn't really look like most of the girls in that class. Eventually, I moved to a different school, but that was a gifted program. And it was by this sort of, um, what is the word? Not raffle, but the word is there somewhere, but for picking students. Um, And again, it was largely me in a, being the only black student in a huge grade level of majority white students or other people of color, but the only black student. So it was like, you learn, you, you kind of learn that stuff really young or the police talk. That's the one that's like a big one. I have a thing on my phone actually, because as soon as I started driving, I set it up. It's a shortcut that essentially I use a shortcut and it sends a text to my mom and starts recording with the back camera just in case when I get pulled over. So it'll send the video automatically to my mom. And I always make sure that just in case I get pulled over, I'll have it right there. Because you, know, you never know.
0: Thank you for that. I am um, growing up like I my mom worked two jobs, or was always out of the house or growing up. I've moved around a lot. So there's a lot of just walk home on your own, or uh, you can figure it out. If you're old enough. Uh, and so I know, especially living in California, with my dad living in LA, uh, there's a lot of, hey, go out when you need to. But don't just go around doing whatever you need to be aware of where you're at as well as like in Alaska it's so prevalent like I grew up on I lived on Muldoon throughout middle school and high school so there's yeah I recall times when I was a child being followed by cars as well as being stopped and talked to and there's so much like intensity behind that moment that should be a moment of safety
1: yeah yeah I felt that um I actually have an experience like that too when I was um I was visiting my grandma's house over in Bayshore, over in the South side. And I'd I'd come all the way from where like Mears is. And I came up to where, you know, that uh, intersection is that four-way stop at the end before you can get on the highway. And I was on my longboard and I was tired. So I'd sat down and I was sort of like bunched up a little bit because it was a little cold. And a police car came and stopped. And he asked me if I was homeless and if I needed somewhere to stay. and i i was confused as to why he would think that and i told him my cousins were coming on the way they were coming down too and he was like are you sure and kept like insisting that i needed somewhere to be and that he should sort of be responsible for me and I, and that i was that was when i was like realizing like would he have done this to a different girl who looked different than me or a different boy who looked different than me
0: at a young age i was taught how to to talk to authority figures or people of importance or how to have a nice voice in store so you get treated well uh so yeah it's kind of like a lot of my adult has been unlearning that because like I'm sorry if you can correct me on who's on on Mount Rushmore because I don't know that off the top of my head or all the 50 states (laughs) I think you can respect human beings lives just a little just a smidgen just a
1: little bit yeah. just a smidge <laughs> of human
0: decency uh and so I've kind of moved away from using it like I try to like I'm trying to find ways that are like clear and communicative but also aren't colonizer talk
1: yeah yeah that was something I had to unlearn too because I I went to school with all like white kids all the time I had like the basic valley girl or white girl like speaking and everyone's always the like oreo comment and i'm not even mixed which is like something that nobody ever believes that i'm not mixed uh which is just you know a whole nother thing again (laughs) but i had to unlearn that like i don't have to talk like that i don't have to switch the way that i talk i talk normally like this or i move my head like that like if that's what's natural to me i'm gonna do it
0: i know we touched that on a bit but i kind of want to go back on a bit before we wrap up uh, and that is, uh, hey, what are some other things we do to mask that, uh, that are awful? <laughs> and that if, uh, if what are the what are the red flags of racism for those of those people out there who <laughs> don't know them?
1: Oh my goodness, there are a lot. There are a lot. I have never gotten braids like box braids in my whole life ever. Uh, I am. I was terrified of the stereotype in like seventh grade when I was like thinking about it and I was like oh no but what if they see me as that type of girl realizing my own internalized like racist rhetoric that had been imposed upon me over braids braids that would protect my hair like it just blew my mind to think about that now eventually I'm planning to do more um with my hair I think our hair is one of the main things because it's so outwardly expressive it's kind of hard to
0: hide yeah. cut, like growing up I always cut, uh, my parents kept my hair cut pretty short or I uh, yeah that was like the thing uh, yeah. only since lately I've started growing out and like dying and stuff but, like I, I'm finally feeling confident enough to have braids in my hair now because like oh apparently like wow okay we can witness really visibly horrible things done and still go no racism isn't a thing so I guess it doesn't matter how proper I look anymore.
1: Right. It, it don't matter how proper I am, I guess.
0: okay. It must
1: not matter. It must not matter. Because my my hair, my the way that I dress, which is like, it, it, there's just so many things that you're just like, oh, if I wear that, I'm the stereotypical blank. But it's just like, why is the stereotypical blank that? They said that was bad. That was
0: always what we were doing. Their opinion of me and my culture does not mean anything about me.
1: Exactly. And that's something that it I'm still unlearning lots of that. And still unlearning like so much of that like internalized sort of racist rhetoric that I've just been exposed to.
0: A lot of that I went through in like high school with a lot of like I'm mixed, I am Filipino black, native and white. Uh my My mom's native, uh, she's an Athabascan. Uh, My grandpa's adopted, so I'm not really that connected to it. So like, it hurts even more because it's like, there's parts of you that you should know. Like when they go around the room, people share about their family. The bloodline for me is real short. And on my dad's side, it's even harder just because I'm not that in touch with them, unfortunately. Just like, I just don't know that side of my family well. so it's like, uh, when he got to me, like I guess like I love my mom, Uh, I have my aunt, my my grandma. That's kind of like it.
1: That's an effect, I think, which is something that I've actually sort of studied about and like read up on is the effect of like how that was really impacted from American slavery and how, you know, families were separated and moms became like the sort of breadwinner winner in families. And it just, it really did generation generationally pass down, especially just not even knowing like where your family came from. So many of my friends are like, oh, my family's Italian. Oh, oh we're from Greece. We're from Finland.
0: It kind of like, hurts seeing how, yeah. a, wow, I bet it's real nice getting to say just, I bet it's not a jealousy. It's more out of a, that was stolen from my people. That was taken yeah. Our ability to go, this is my bloodline, isn't possible. That's kind of why, like, I'm really into collecting bones and such, because, like. I can't track my family's bloodline, but I can track nature's, I guess, because, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because like, I'm native, I'm like, I guess I'll get to learn my world around me because I will not get to hear it from my bloodline's ancestors, so I'll get it from nature itself. Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like that's, like, this, I, I really like the study of nature, too. I'm going to, like, biology and sort of listening, like, figuring out why the world works the way that it does and how, how history has shaped the world as we know it today scientifically. And it it is sort of like a reflection of like that connection I didn't get to have and that my mom didn't get to have and her mom didn't get to have and her mom didn't get to have all the way back and back and back. It's just, it's a vicious,
0: vicious cycle. Generational trauma is a very real issue in all communities, especially in Alaska more so uh, than anywhere else. And so working through it is more than just a minority community thing. It also requires like, a knowledge of it throughout communities and us, like being about, like, for me with the question of Black Lives Matter, it's, what does it mean to me is, it's not just about Black lives, it's about human life is being disrespected and devalued on a daily basis. Some people more than others, but, people are so willing to write it off as oh you just aren't over slavery oh you just need to get over the past oh that was so many years ago that that is why people are hurting people are not allowed to have history where they're allowed to be a product of something and that's wrong yeah,
1: that's exactly what i sort of wanted to get at too is that like there's just so much connection and sort of ability to know what where we come from what why our skin matters so much knowing why it matters so much knowing why the things that happened in history happened the way that they did that we get deprived of and that they, they get glossed over the massacres in history they even before that we don't learn like african history We do, we don't learn Africa is a poverty stricken continent yeah um it's it's hard to connect sort of within any realm of education social life when everything is built through this lens that's not meant to accommodate
0: you I got this really amazing book about this lady is Cuban and a black poet her name's Stacy uh, Stacy Yamchen and uh There's a lot of stuff in here about anti-colonialism as well as like, there's a poem in here specifically about the aboriginals in Australia and how they've been dehumanized to the point where they're depicted as nothing more than alcoholics on sidewalks and like writing about where are they and then also writing about where they are and like their culture and how they're still alive and how they're still present and how the British empire that inserted itself on there is not them. And it's really beautiful and reading her work really fulfilling lately it's mostly because like i can only read so many stories about white guys doing amazing things like it's not that race is why i read read a story it's that hey other people other people in society exist and do great things not everything is tom cruise saving everyone yeah
1: representation really does matter and i Something that I saw that just like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I had this stance in the sort of way of like, when, um, what's her name? Was it Hallie or Chloe that was cast as Little Mermaid? I don't remember which one, but it was one of the sisters. One of them was cast as Little Mermaid. And, you know, I was, I'm, I'm happy, you know, that there's representation, but stop making white characters black for the sake of making them black and develop black characters that are black from the get go. You know? Yeah, like,
0: don't get me wrong. I would love to have Black James Bond have Idris Elba be a badass. However, also, you know how we make movies? Well, if we made them, but we start yeah, at we this just point start. already. <laughs> we don't have to do rewriting it so people go, wow, it's Black now. Like, it could just, you know, like, a really good example is, like, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but, you know, I'm hearing, for the most part, pretty good things about it. Uh, Yosuke, uh, it's an anime movie, oh, yeah. on anime show on Netflix. I haven't Netflix. watched it yet, but, like, as a person that like, grew up watching martial arts movies, a lot of minorities in minority communities across America grew up watching them because, well, one is because Hollywood didn't wanna put foreign films, especially foreign minority films in white theaters or in like popular high income, by high income, I mean white, yeah. uh, <laughs> I low income, know. I mean black and Asian communities. So they was like, oh, whatever, Just throw them all these like poorly done. Of minority movies, except it created like a form of unity rather than like split off, and that's why I think foreign films have such a strong presence in minority communities. It's why like I know a lot of the film directors that I know are movies that I know, and then like I meet like white guys in their 30s and 40s that are like really impressed by the movies I know. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> now my dad loved my dad loves that stuff. I, I love weird French movies because of him. Like, <laughs> you know, what movies they throw into the libraries, in minority communities. Weird foreign movies.
1: Yeah, weird foreign movies. Or even, not even, um, there's movies that break into the mainstream and it's a huge problem, like Parasite. When Parasite, you know, got that award and everyone was like, how did it win over this one other thing that was like the same story that we've heard since 1812? It's like, you know, it's not just for the sake of, you know, oh, he's a Korean director. He's not Korean American, he's a Korean director um it wasn't like for the sake of that it was for the sake of it was a good movie get over it
0: <laughs> the point of these awards is we are acknowledging talent in directors and that is it that that's all there exactly. is to it we're acknowledging talent
1: and it's so hypocritical sometimes because when there's like a lack of people of color they're like well we acknowledge talent you know <laughs> so if they're not making it but then when they do win it's like you you guys are just doing it for the minority points
0: yeah, that's why. Like, I'm really happy John Boyega has such a boisterous style to him because he easily yes. could have gone. All right, Disney, I'll stop saying it's wrong for people to be racist. It's saying <laughs> I don't care. Like, I think you know, yeah. like he, he sure was like cussing in some of his tweets and like good. He was good. Yeah, good I followed for him. him on
1: Twitter. It was it was great seeing that's that what, in lo- like in
0: person. That's exactly what what I wanted. That's what I prefer. I'd rather that I means a. That is that's solid representation. You went, you know, I could have an easy win, but I'll, nah, I don't care. I'm reaching the end of my thought trains, and they're all coming to the station. Thank you so much for your time. This is really good. This is kind of awkward course. put together. I know we had some technical difficulties. Thank you for bringing your energy and sharing your story with
1: me. Of course, In any
2: time, really.
1: Always awesome. open. <laughs>
2: That was Atme senior producer Cornelius Nelson speaking with Tatiana Watkins-Snow. You've been listening to Zoom Room, a production of Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music is by Kendrick Whiteman. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Dena'ina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to the supporters of our podcast, including Rosie Robards and Nat Herz. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect the views of our sponsors. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Admi. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And if you are a youth ages 13 to 24 who is interested in becoming a member of our team, go to alaskateenmedia.org join to find out more. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Yuli Zhang. Thanks for listening.